fighting climate change is a collective responsibility, but it's also an individual one. More often than not, we are looking for validation in numbers, and there's merit in it given that shareholder activism on environmental commitments is on the rise. So how can we be the change we want to see? Hello and welcome to Beyond Business with Wärtsilä, a podcast series that goes above the realms of strategy and operations and seeks to find solutions to our global problems. I'm your host Atte Palomäki and on a regular basis I'll be talking to experts in their field about how we can together make a real difference. The idea behind each episode is to look beyond the scope of profit and margins and to really discover how businesses, thought leaders and experts can rally together and use their experience, intelligence, forethought and honesty to facilitate true and tangible change. Our special guest today knows how to fight the good fight. She is a big inspiration for the next generation on leading clean energy transition, not just in Finland, but the world over. We welcome Kaisa Hiatala, newly appointed board member of ExxonMobil, one of the world's largest oil and gas companies, with a turnover of $180 billion dollars in 2020. Welcome, Kaisa. Thank you. Kaisa, your journey hit the headlines in the summer of 21 when you were appointed to the board of directors of Exxon. Can you tell us about how that really came about? I spent 20 years uh, within the oil and gas industry, mainly working for an oil refining company called Neste here in Finland. And um, I'm a geophysicist by training, which is uh, directly linked to oil and gas exploration uh, science. But I'm also an environmental scientist. So for me, it was important when I started my career to find a place where I can learn the industry first and then start to make a change within the industry. And that's how I started with Neste. I spent 10 years to learn the whole value chain from upstream to, to downstream and refining and everything. And then I spent 14 years to build the renewables business for Neste. I stepped down from Neste in 2019 and I was contacted by a group called Engine Number One. They were um, running a campaign to uh, find uh, potential candidates for the board of ExxonMobil. And that's how I got involved in this campaign. So actually this campaign, it was via an activist hedge fund, engine number one, the campaign called Re-Energize Exxon. And uh, you were elected alongside three other new board members. So how did such an organization and you personally really get involved? And this operation could be described as something as a hostile appointment. Well, the traditional shareholder activism has been mainly focusing on how to um, increase the shareholders' value or, for example, how to split the company and higher value of different parts and so on. But this particular case is quite a unique because it was not only about the short-term profits and short-term shareholder value, but it was also about the long-term role of players within the oil and gas industry. And there were several shareholders who had been expressing their concern that how are the large oil and gas companies, especially the Western companies, how are they going to tackle the energy transition and what is the right roadmap for them? And engine number one is a fund which took the challenge 
and decided to start a campaign against Exxon and basically asking two things. They were challenging the company to improve its profitability short term. And at the same time, they were saying that the company needs to develop a long term strategy, which will basically build the bridge from the past to the future. So eventually, there was, in fact, quite a lot of shareholder support to this campaign. Well, let's shortly discuss the change and transformation in Neste. A couple of years ago, Harvard Business Review called the Neste transformation as uh, one of the top 20 business transformations of the last decade. And the segment that you managed, they experienced uh, revenues growth by 1.6 times and an operating profits increasing fourfold. So what's the magic behind all of that? What did you do? Well, I think if we speak on a more general level, Nesta is a great example of this, but I see that those companies who dare to put sustainability and profits within the same sentence, they are the ones who succeed in the future. So basically, um, instead of considering that sustainability and sustainable development is something like a charity or something which corporations need to do because there are regulations or there are reporting requirements or it is a good thing to do. Climate change is one of the challenges, but the fact that we are running out of natural resources is another topic. And the biodiversity loss, I believe that it's going to be even the biggest mm. topic for us as a human kind. So those companies who can create a good business in such a way that they are sort of recovering the world mm. rather than destroying the world. I think that the future is definitely uh, going into that direction. And what Neste was doing, it was basically transforming the great expertise, how to refine fossil crude oil into a refining renewable raw materials, which are sort of uh, not emitting the CO2 the same way as the fossil fuels are. And that was a brilliant idea that why not to use the company's great, great capabilities to do something new, which is more sustainable and which will allow the development of this world to move forward and go forward, but at the same time also reduce the CO2 emissions. And I take this Nordic example from Neste is now something that can be amplified to a global scene. Absolutely. Here in the Nordics, environmental regulation has been pushing the companies and corporations to really be the forerunners or pioneers when it comes to sustainability. Also, the Nordic markets are small enough to pilot solutions. So I think with this experience where companies have started to learn that sustainability is not only a cost center because of a reporting and regulation and so on, but it can be also a business opportunity. And combine that with the learnings which they have done when piloting and scaling up and commercializing these business opportunities, I think it gives a great advantage for the Nordic companies to look at the global scale next and think about that, which of these innovations which have been developed here or tested and piloted here could be eventually then be scaled up globally. So the oil industry, it's a sector that's for long been criticized, especially for its environmental impacts. How did you end up forging a career back in the day in such an environment? And uh, how have you dealt with that criticism? For me, it was my way to 
make an impact. Instead of joining, for example, NGOs, I wanted to learn the business first. And I got the great opportunity to work with Neste. And uh, I, I, th- I spent like 10 years to really learn the whole value chain from mm. the upstream all the way to refining and marketing and so on. And that gave me the business acumen and, and the sort of the, the business view. What is required from that industry to start to change? So I felt that I was more impactful when I was operating within the industry rather than staying outside and pointing fingers. And I have always felt that with my sort of scientific background, I have always understood both sides. Mm. The traditional oil industry, which has created sort of a massive, massive developments for this world. I mean, bringing the energy to the world and creating lots of jobs. But then I, I also understand the criticism from outside. I mean, this industry is responsible for uh, very large projects and even natural catastrophes in the past. And also this industry has been providing fossil energy, which is the key reason and a driver for climate change. But for me, I still want to be part of the solution (laughs) rather than being part of the problem. So for me to be part of the industry and trying to change it and really driving for change. I think it's been sort of the key solution, how to balance the fact that we all need energy, but then at the same time, we can't continue emitting CO2 as much as we are doing today. But having this vision and great idea, that's one thing, then being able to persuade the shareholders and others that there's a business case behind that, I guess that's a more tricky one. Yeah, I mean, Nesta started already like 15, 16 years ago. And yes, there were times when it was pretty challenging. But if we compare how the investors are looking into uh, sustainability nowadays, I think the situation is very different. So nowadays, the money is clearly looking for companies who have a good sustainability credentials. And they are also looking for green investments. And I think the fact that these investments are becoming more and more profitable will just keep directing the sort of a big investments towards green investments. And nowadays, it's at least here in the Western world, I think it is sort of a baseline expectation that the companies are operating in a sustainable manner. And those companies who can combine a good business into this, I think they have a great future ahead of them. So this sense of expectation towards the oil industry, how do you see that playing out today? Is enough being done and where do you see that we will be heading? What are the forces that are driving the energy transition? Well, of course, I mean, we need to replace fossil energy one way or another in this world, or we have to start to capture the CO2 emissions which are burning from the use of fossil energy. And if I look at the current industries, whether that is power generation or utilities or whether that is uh, the oil and gas industry or even the petrochemical industry, they all are dealing with the hydrocarbons. They know these molecules pretty well. So um, I have been encouraging the whole industry, instead of building a massive risk mitigation plans for the future, they should start to look into the opportunities. I mean, with these capabilities and the technological expertise they have or the R&D expertise and all of this, I believe the big solutions 
which this world will be needing, those will be developed by these large players uh, within the, the whole energy sector. And therefore, um, I, I think it's better, instead of sort of saying that, okay, we don't want to give up what we have today and stop developing themselves, I think the better choice is to say that, okay, this is where we are very good at today. And what if we want to be somewhere else in the future? How should we play this? I mean, energy transition is, it has started and it's moving forward. So what role do we want to play in this energy transition? So rather to be on a driver's seat yourself, than just trying to sort of remain where you are today and hoping that your markets won't disappear. Mm. Shareholder activism is emerging as a powerful way to make companies take responsibility for climate change. How do you see this increasing in the days ahead? Well, it depends how successful these campaigns are. And success you can measure in a different ways. But now when the profitability, short-term profitability and sort of a long-term perspectives and long-term value of the company are linked together, then you start to see this type of elements like ESG to really become true. Because then the shareholders are saying that, okay, should I invest in this company if this company is not future relevant in the future? So I think the beauty of the Engine Number One campaign was that, and I think they were the first ones who did this, they put together very, very strong sort of economical drivers as well as sort of a relevant ESG drivers. And this combination seemed to be very powerful as most of the large owners of the company eventually decided to vote for the campaign. Well, that formula certainly sounds like it's promising. But the world we live in, the society, it's completely built on hydrocarbons. So how does one effectively change a society, a system where practically the whole foundation is being questioned? Well, that's why we are talking about transition. I mean, if we as a world could switch from fossil energy to non-fossil energy overnight, definitely we all would do it. It would have been done already a long time ago. So uh, we will be needing many solutions. Fossil energy has been such a large solution for so long time, and uh, the world has developed a lot because of of the abundance of energy. However, this source of energy is no longer the right one unless we can start to take the CO2 emissions away from this. And we are so used to having this one solution. I mean, if you travel somewhere and you want to rent a car, you know that, okay, it will be using either gasoline or diesel. And it's the same thing all over the world. So it's been sort of an easy way to make energy available for everybody, almost everywhere. But now in the future, there will be several sources of energy because we do not have one single non-fossil source to replace the fossil sources. And as these different new sources will require new technologies, whether it is uh, uh, different type of cars or different type of engines, you name it, this will be taking longer time. So it is about the energy transition. But then the key question is that what would be the fastest way to go forward in order to start to make an impact? And how much time do we have? 
and how the policymakers are sort of supporting this uh, transition. In the oil and gas industry, there's so many sharp brains and uh, so much competence and getting this competence behind this change, of course, that is needed. So with your experience and background, how does one instill such a will to have the cultural transformation to go about that change? I think it starts from the board and from the top management. They really need to be willing and wanting to look into the future. Even though sometimes it's not nice what you see there, but those companies who dare to look into the mirror and dare to say that, okay, we believe we can navigate through this transition and reborn in a way as a new company and continue to exist and continue to create jobs for people and so on. I think eventually they are in a better position because they are building a culture which is tolerant for change or culture which is even supporting the change. And then it is the people within those companies who are implementing that change. And my past experience with Neste clearly shows that people like to do good things. Mm. I've met lots of people with different backgrounds and from different continents and culturally uh, very different people. But eventually, deep down inside, We all prefer to do good things rather than bad things. So um, it's surprising to see how quickly the employees will start to move and how motivational and purposeful this type of a new vision can be for employees. So, so that's something where I can say that I have seen it happening. And I was surprised by the speed, how quickly people were joining forces and wanting to make the change The brightest engineers as well as the sales managers talking to customers. There is the passion within doing good things. Well, listening to you, it's clear that you lead by example. So tell us, how can you move the needle in the oil and gas industry in the future so that we can live in a more sustainable world? Well, that's my daily job nowadays. I mean, I call myself sometimes I'm a susformist or transformist or a sort of an influencer. I try to keep myself very much up to speed to understand what happens on the technological front as well as what is happening between these different sort of a natural drivers for change like climate change or biodiversity loss and so on. And then I'm cooperating with companies and corporations who are taking that journey forward and um, helping them to see that, okay, uh, what are the alternatives and how they could sort of leverage all the skills and capabilities they have within the organizations and move forward. It is a long journey. I think we need to remain alert that the CO2 emissions are still increasing as we speak, but uh, every day taking some steps. Well, to wrap this up, I'd like to hear your view on the impact of climate action, which you referred to. So, Do you believe that we'll be able to limit the global warming to a sustainable level in the time needed? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we have all the tools in this world. Now it is a question of leadership, leadership of companies. I truly believe that business will be making a big share of this transition to make it happen. I'm also expecting to see a leadership from the policymakers even though I do understand that the political atmosphere is pretty challenging at the moment and it's hard to make this type of decisions. I also believe that this world will be facing a situation that courage is the only way how we can go forward. And if it takes until the 11th moment, 
for us as a humankind to do that. I hope uh, it won't be too late. But as said, all the solutions are there. We just need the leadership and the courage to start to do this uh, systemic change. Well, that brings us to the end of this very special discussion. Kaisa, thank you so much for sharing your inspirational thoughts and journey with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Atte. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and stay tuned for more discussions on pressing issues that we all must care about. I'm your host Atte Palomäki and today we went beyond business.